Kicking off the show today with a little mental experiment. Let's say you're looking after two toddlers. You've got a double stroller and you take a nice walk in the park on a beautiful day. Near the end of your walk, you come across a vendor who's selling ice cream bars. And you think, hey, it's a warm day and we've been out for a walk. A cool treat would be nice. I'll get one for each of us. So you dig in your wallet or purse only to find you only have enough money for one ice cream bar. What would you do? Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, your host for this hour of spiritual direction. Every day here on The Inner Life, we seek to go just a little farther in our journey of faith. Although it may not seem like a lot today, over the weeks, months, and years, it's amazing how far we will go if we follow the Lord's lead. Back to the mental experiment. So you're out with these two toddlers, and you go to get an ice cream bar for each of you, but you only have enough money for one. What would you do? Buy one and split it three ways? Or forego your own enjoyment and split it two ways between the toddlers? Try to find a cash machine? Or maybe just head back home to try to find something cool there? Well, here's an option I'll bet you did not choose. I'd buy one and give the whole thing to one child. (laughs) Why wouldn't you choose that one? Well, maybe, just maybe, in being given a chance to consider it, you could mount an argument that says because it would offend against justice. Would it, though? In any case, I'm guessing the reason you wouldn't give just one toddler an ice cream bar and leave the other toddler empty-handed is that you wouldn't want to endure the terrific tantrum that would inevitably ensue. So why is it that even from so young an age, we, get, we tend to get upset when someone else has something we want? How did jealousy and envy come so easily to us, and how can we fight against them? That's what we're talking about on the show today with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, La Crosse Wisconsin, that is. Father Martin, good to be with you again. Hey, Patrick, it's always a pleasure uh, looking forward to this topic and all of our listeners, and I'm distracted. I mean, it's hot, actually, in Wisconsin, which doesn't happen this early in the summer all that often, and so ice cream is, uh, I just, now it's, I don't know if I'm going to be much good to you today, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not. I may be tempting you towards uh, towards gluttonous thoughts or something like that, Father. But it's not jealousy because I'm not uh, having any ice cream bars here either. So just so you know. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Well, that's good. That's clarification that we need. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the show today, we're going to focus on, of course, the more negative aspects of of jealousy. And uh, and we've we've in some ways using using the terms jealousy and envy synonymously, but let's start here, Father. That I don't think the two of them are really synonymous when it comes right down to it, are they? No, I mean there's a greater gravity, you know, obviously with envy. That's the deadly sin, and jealousy would be a you know a child of of you know one of the fruits of of that disorder, which of course goes way back to Cain and Abel and original sin. So. Abel gives his best, Cain doesn't, and he feels threatened. And so envy can lead to terrible things. I mean, in the case, you know, Cain kills his brother uh, because he feels so, um, you know, he's just got this disordered rage that comes from, like, you know, rather than imitate, you know, Abel's virtue, he just decides to destroy it. And that's, uh, you know, this pain at the good fortune of others, whereas jealousy, 
my dad used to say that jealousy is like, gosh, I like what you have. I wish I had two just like it. Uh, versus envy is, I wish you didn't have that. I, you know, you don't. Who do you think you are? You don't. You're not so special. And so it's um, they're different sort of uh, response to the same scenario. And that's you know, jealousy is typically probably disordered. I mean, I suppose there can be a holy jealousy. We know that from the Old Testament that God is a jealous God. And what's that mean? I mean that God's a perfect being. So it always meant that he wants our best, that he's going to, he's the one being in the universe that was going to hold out for our best. Thankfully, right. a lot of other people will water things down, but it doesn't malign the sovereignty and the transcendence of God one bit to say that, uh, that he was jealous and the Old Testament still is. He still wants our best. Uh, we would never say that he's envious because that's intrinsically disordered. There's never a time where envy is a good thing, but mm-hmm. jealousy, I suppose, can be if it's understood in context, there can be a sense that, well, you know, uh, it's not maybe the ideal uh, response, but even so there can be a, it can be an impetus, a kind of a driving force. Right. That, okay, there's a person that has something that I want, and, um, you know, rather than try to destroy what they have, maybe I could achieve that. Maybe that is an inspiration in my life that I could be that too if I just, you know, got up and engage this, uh, did the work, uh, denied myself all sorts of creature comforts and, and whatever. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, envy is that that's a deadly sin. That's a, a capital sin. And jealousy is um, a more mild version. It can lead there, uh, but it, does, it can have some positive potential, too. Yeah, and along those positive potential, Father, I mean, you basically just outlined this, but I was wondering, preparing for the show, I was wondering if, you know, if even we look at the saints and see their sanctity, their, you know, their heroic virtue that they live out in their lives, and say, in a sense, you might even, could you describe that as, well, I'm jealous of what that saint has, but let that be a motivating factor in my life to reach out toward that sanctity, toward that heroic virtue? I think a lot of people are, you know, there something is awakened in us when we see it in others. Otherwise, it would lie dormant. That's why reading the lives of the saints or exposing people to the things that, you know, the people in Scripture, that these are the men and women that, uh, you know, they had their struggles. But many of them, we can see their conversion. We can see that they, they didn't give up, and that's to awaken in us that, hey, the, these sins that you're struggling with, those don't define you. That's not who you really are. Those right. are... Uh, is something you'll have to confront with God's help. You're not going to fix those. You're not just going to self-medicate. You're going to need a Savior. You're going to need grace. You're going to need the sacraments like the rest of us. But uh, the, to see it in others is, a, and this, I mean, this is what brought St. Clair to the, you know, a little church at, at midnight, to have, you know, Francis cut her hair and to receive her vows because she saw in him what she decided, I want that too. I want to live my life configured to Jesus in such a radical way that I'm willing to give everything. I mean, my family, my future prospects, all of my wealth, all the things I could have done, I want to give all of it, you know. And uh, But she saw that in Francis first, and so then she was one that led to the other. And typically, I mean, I don't think that people go to heaven alone. I think that, um, you know, that we inspire each other, or we pull each other down. Misery likes company, so we can, you know, sometimes we feel threatened by someone who's holy. So the Book of Wisdom you know, uh, let us beset the just one, for he is obnoxious to us. Well, that's a reference to Jesus, who, of course, um, you know, he rankled people because he was, um, you know, he was different. He was holy. He was, uh, you know, a, a man of his word. And for those who uh, maybe were struggling, he gave them hope. But for those who thought they were holy and they had been 
the measuring stick of that before, they were threatened. This guy is going to destroy everything that we've accomplished. We have a religion that we can control. And control is fear, and fear is the opposite of faith, and it never really gets you very far. But we understand that most of us, we catch ourselves doing these things. But, um, but holy jealousy uh, is something that we want to cultivate. That sure. uh, We want our young people and old people and everyone in between see the saints. I mean, that's uh, Pius XII said that they're like the stars in the sky. They lift our sights to something transcendent, something that pulls us out of the mundane and says, hey, life's worth living. And uh, don't give up. I mean, it was, um, I'll end my comments here, but um, Oscar Wilde said that we're all laying in a gutter. Just some of us are looking toward the stars. Well, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are looking up and some are looking down. But uh, uh, so the condition of human hearts by original sin is damaged. But by grace, we're not destroyed. It's just uh, we have some things to confront. Yeah, we certainly do. And for the sake of our discussion today, I just wanted to lay that as a foundation of um, the... There can be potentially positive aspects of jealousy, but for our discussion today, Father, we're focusing in on the more negative aspects of jealousy, and uh, certainly envy is a capital sin. We want to uh, engage with that as well. So how do we... in in What do we do in the face of those things? Our spiritual director today is Father Sam Martin from the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, as we're talking about jealousy and envy. Can you remember a time when you were inflamed with jealousy in the more negative sense? What did you do when you when you felt that arise within your heart? Or what do you do when you are tempted toward envy? Give us a call. Let us know. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Well, focusing in again, Father, on those more negative aspects of jealousy and envy, um, any reason or any thought about why this um, is such a, 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 it's a pretty pervasive sin. And like I, in my opening, you know, there, I was just talking about here, even as a young child, we tend to get upset when we see somebody else who has something that we want. Why does that make us upset? Well, it's uh, obviously, I mean, it's like St. Augustine would illustrate, because people say, well, there's no such thing as original sin. We're all born innocent. But, I mean, sin has to be something that you know it's wrong, and you you know, you know freely give yourself to it anyway, so it has to engage the mind and the will. And, and we don't think that that happens until seven or eight years old, the age of reason, even though not everybody reaches the age of reason. I tell a lot of kids that apparently didn't. But um, it, it, the idea is that there's something is flawed, so he would take twins, little boys, uh, give them one piece of candy and not the other one, and one's going to cry bloody murder that he didn't right. get it, the other guy did. And so you can't sin when you're too little, but there shows there's something disordered, something was damaged in us, and that's what we call original sin, that uh, concupiscence, so you have lots of different ways of describing it, but our, our desires now are, we still you know desire the infinite, but all the world has finite things and yet we think that if we can stockpile enough of it then we'll be happy no one's ever hit that threshold yet i mean uh, and, and never will that our hearts are restless until they rest in god so we have to redirect all that but um you know it's pretty predictable that it's it's you know be rare to see a kid that you know like let's say you give the one kid the ice cream and the other one just applauds and says you deserve this i mean you go man this this is the right way that this universe is run, that you get the ice cream and I don't. Thank God. This is the, you know, I mean, you're just not going to see that. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you just wonder, like, well, what the kid, I mean, something's wrong with this boy because he's happy that the other kid got the ice cream and he didn't, uh, you know. Um, so it's just a sign of, of the way things are. 
And whatever you say about Christianity, Jesus is a very realistic God. He doesn't, uh, you know, dress things up. He's the mirror. He's going to pull back the veil, not like he says to Peter, you'll be led where you'd rather not go. He's talking about his martyrdom, but he's also talking about the journey within. If you're going to be honest and stand before God, he's going to show you your heart. And there are things in there that you don't want to see. They're in my heart, too. And, you know, the 30 days of spiritual exercises, that's what I was told. You're going to have some of the best days of your life and some of the worst. I'm like, on a retreat? Yes. Well, why? Because God has to set you free. And you don't even know that you're enslaved in certain areas because you haven't really been able to take the time and the prayer and the silence and be vulnerable and let God show you those places. Ugh, yuck. Is it too late to back out? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. that's how it goes in the spiritual life, is that Jesus knows, it, uh, in the Gospel of St. John, he says he needed no one to testify as to what was in man's heart, for he himself understood it well. He's the only one, really, that understands mm-hmm. it. So where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why do I feel that way? How do I bury that? I, can't, I don't want anybody to even know that about me. I don't want to know that about me. Yeah. Well, we have a thing called confession, where we let the light into the darkness. And we all have that darkness, and it starts from the time when we're little. It's there, you know, uh, the first effects of original sin washed away by baptism. But that doesn't mean it's over. No, now you've begun the spiritual journey. And it's a very beautiful one. It's a very difficult one. And at times it causes us the pain, the shame of humiliation. But um, Pope Francis says a lot of humility can come out of humiliation, so don't waste it. Ah, all right. Mm. Well, that's okay. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that very much. One of the things that this whole discussion is bringing to mind frequently for me, Father, is the parable of the workers in the vineyard that uh, Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 20. Again, this is where the workers go out at you know and work different amounts of hours in the day, and uh, then the ones who worked least at the end of the day get the usual daily wage. So the ones who worked all day were expecting more. And his response um, to them Uh, the master of the vineyard said, my friend, I'm not cheating you. You agreed with me for this wage, so I'm not offending against justice. Um, Take what's yours and go. And he says, am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Or this is the the phrase that's catching me. Are you envious because I am generous? And maybe is that one way that we could maybe move in the direction of avoiding envy, avoiding um, the negative parts of jealousy is by saying that, you know, God is generous. So when we see something good in the life of another, let's move towards gratitude rather than jealousy. Well, uh, of the things in the human heart that are most noble and most necessary, I mean, gratitude is one of those. Uh, It leads to praising God. It leads to worshiping. And that's a it starts to undo some of the shackles that pull us down into our own pity party. Poor me, and my life isn't fair, and they get to do everything. And I have, I mean, you start to see life through that lens, and it's just going to be misery, and the misery likes company, so I have to pull other people into it. But gratitude, which then, the other things, of course, that are noble in the human heart, trust, honesty, humility, those things, and all of that is cultivated by, cultivated by the sacraments, by grace, especially in the confessional and so forth, that we start to see that, you know, my brokenness is not uh, a complete curse. I mean, this isn't some kind of a punishment. This is a preparation. And as we start to accept our brokenness, and with God's grace, we, we work against sin. We, we try to repent, uh, you know, as often as necessary. We try to, you know, be docile to whatever God's doing and then not get too discouraged. It's just a part of, you know, the, the things that I have to work through before I, you know, it's necessary for us to pass through many trials before entering the kingdom of God. That, 
is from the Acts of the Apostles. So, but to see life as a gift, it just changes us in a very radical way. And to see that other people have gifts that they didn't choose. And uh, I was saying over the weekend, I can't remember what it was preaching on, but it was Pentecost. And, uh, oh, it was uh, St. Paul's reading one body, many parts. I said, but we're inveterate uh, comparers to others. We're always looking around making these comparisons about, like, you know, that every part in the body of Christ is important, but we don't. We think some are more important. I wish I had that life or those gifts or that skill set or whatever. And I said, I was at a uh, football combine between my junior and senior year in high school. I wasn't going to play, you know, <laughs> at the NFL level or anything. But you know, you go to these things and you see how fast you can run, how high you can jump, how much you can bench press, this kind of thing. And sure. I ended up like very mediocre, very average, right in the middle. And I. My coach, I, I, he knew that I was just discouraged and felt kind of let down. Like, you know, I guess I thought I was, you know, more gifted than this. And I remember afterwards he said a very insightful thing. He said, Sam, they don't have any way here of measuring a man's heart. And isn't that the point is that, um, you know, that some of the people that love best in this world, they don't have the highest IQ. They don't have a lot of physical gifts. They don't have much of anything sometimes, but they have a great heart. They have a great ability to love. And that's the goal for every human being is to maximize our ability to receive love and to give it. And gratitude is, um, allows that heart to receive. And so Mary, uh, the mother of God, that every night, if you pray the bravery, that my soul proclaims the greatness of the, of the Lord, you know, my spirit. Uh, it's just, you know, the Magnificat, that all these words that, are, you know, that Mary said are to remind us that life's a gift and that we didn't do anything to earn it. But uh, it comes with its flaws. I mean, in her case, conceive without original sin. But we have all sorts of things that uh, we have to struggle with. And, but we're better for it in the end. At least that's yeah. why God he permitted these things, so that a greater good, a, a happier ending, would be possible. So, oh, happy follow necessary sin of Adam, which won for us so great a Redeemer. Yuck, we don't like sin. But if it weren't for sin, we wouldn't have Christmas, Easter, sacraments, all the kinds of things that uh, we might take for granted, but that was because we fell, and God decided, I'll, so to speak, fall with you. You know, mm-hmm. as St. John the Cross says, when, he, when the bridegroom saw the bride drowning in a lake, he dove in and drowned with her. You're like, I don't think that's the ending that we were anticipating. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but in drowning and dying, he opened the gates of eternal life. He's of destroyed course. death now. It belongs to him, not to the devil. So, right. Uh, right. We don't have to be so threatened by it. We're all going to die, and that's actually not a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah, amen. Uh, we had a off-air call come in that uh, the caller said he had seen someone receive, going back to my opening reflection, receive an ice cream and then give it to a person that did not get one. So that's just a small example of the way that, uh, yeah, gratitude and generosity can be great ways of combating jealousy and overcoming envy in our lives. We're talking today with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, about jealousy and envy. Have you ever been jealous of someone else's success? Or you have a question about whether in a given situation, um, what you're tempted with is, are you tempted to be jealous? Are you tempted to be envious and have a question what the right response is? Give us a call. Ask our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More on gratitude, generosity, and other ways to combat jealousy when we come back from this short break. So stay with us. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. 
Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society, not available in all states. Welcome back to the inner life. Little gin blossoms there playing us back in as we're talking about jealousy today here. Jealousy and envy here on the inner life. If you missed the beginning of the show, we kind of did a little uh, yeah, defining of our terms and saying that the two are not the same. But we're dealing with the more negative aspects about how our desire for something that someone else has or some someone else enjoys how that can uh, create bad things, sinful things within our own lives with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of Wisconsin, La Crosse, Wisconsin, that is. Uh, so, Father, as we continue on down this path of exploring jealousy and envy, um, one of the things, another scriptural piece that jumps to mind is that of the prodigal son. And I'm guessing I'm not alone in saying that it's oftentimes the elder son that I identify most with that uh, is really teed off. He's upset when um, his father kills the fatted calf for this uh, for this this sinner. You know, the one who goes out and just uh, spends all of his wealth on uh, loose living, and then comes back, and then suddenly they're throwing him a party. So, what can we learn about jealousy, about envy, and looking at this particular uh, passage of scripture, this parable? Well, number one, Jesus just, uh, he can hit every part of our existence. I mean, he just knows where to probe, but in a way that more like a physician, not like the uh, the accuser, the devil who likes to just keep us upset, and uh, he wants to divide and conquer, and so he has a way of upsetting. Only Jesus can restore that peace, but that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, there's trust, and when that's upset, then there's fear. So uh, the Lord has a magnificent way of revealing these things to us. And those of us who are going to Mass and practicing our faith are probably much more susceptible to that, to being the older brother versus the free spirit that has been away for years and comes waltzing on in, and then just everything turns you know, up roses for the guy. And, of course, we should be happy for him, but we feel some pain at his good fortune. We feel that, you know, I've been here slaving away, and, uh, you know, what's in it for me? You know, we can't even really enjoy the, this uh, moment of conversion. So it shows how petty all of us, you know, we're cut from the same cloth. We may not have the same struggles. But um, to see in ourselves that that's an occupational hazard, that that's the one that I'm probably going to be more uh, vulnerable to because, you know, darn it, I've been living my faith. I've been doing what I've had, you know, and I've been tithing and I've done all these things. And, you know, in the end it's like, you know, there's this lurking question, what's in it for me? You know, the how many times we walk into a church and we kind of give the litany of what we've done for the Lord, and isn't he lucky to have us? And But really, I mean, that where praise, worship, adoration begin is what God has done for us, that he did it for me, that he gave his life for me. So, And that's just a subtle shift, but so often that's one that we need to make, that all of a sudden we find ourselves counting our sacrifices, counting our, you know, crosses and our suffering, and then you know, then we look at the way the Lord, I mean, it ostensibly, you know, Lord, there's a deficit on your side of the ledger because I'm doing all these things, and I just, and there, that's a dangerous place to be spiritually. I mean, we're on our way out. We might not know it, but we're trying to, like, there's this merit-based religion that I need to, I've done all these things, so I want my payment. And Jesus says that, uh, you know, the, when Peter says, we've given up all this for you, yeah, 
Yeah, and I've given a few things too, Peter. I mean, matter of fact, <laughs> good point. I, I, you may have forgotten that, but I'm going to give everything here shortly, and then someday I'll ask you to do the same. So uh, it's just there are a lot of subtle things around uh, jealousy, which then can lead to to more, you know, pain at other people's good fortune. And pretty soon we're just caught in our own life. We never see anybody. I was talking about this high school kid years ago that you know he was really. Um, always, you know, discouraged. Everything in his life was... Then he went on a mission trip, saw all these orphans and how happy they were, and they had nothing, materially speaking, but they just, they had the joy that... And it was a first step for him to get outside of himself. And as Christ came not, you know, to be served but to serve, he was a being for others. And he's always trying to... Whatever the Eucharist is, and the mystery of it is that it's a pouring out of a person's life for another person. And if you cling to your life, you lose it. But if you give it away, you return it. You receive it back a hundredfold. And so this is what we start to discover is that Eucharistic sacrifice, if we love like that, first we have to be loved. And that's where the older son, he's just out there doing his thing. And he thinks that, you know, I'm, I'm a good brother, a good son, and the other guy's not. And uh, then he comes home and we find out where his heart really was. Uh, well, he was proud. And probably lived a very good life, but for who? You know, I mean, yeah. probably for himself as much as for anyone. And uh, we're no different sometimes. And when we come into that, we start to recognize that. We say, oh, Lord, you're going to have to break my heart. It's become stone. And, uh, and the Lord's good at that. He's a strong God, and uh, he's got a good, deft touch. He knows exactly what to do and when to do it. Mm. That's a great reminder from our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, talking about jealousy and envy today, how to deal with them when they arise in our lives. Have you ever been jealous of someone else's success? Maybe when you were younger, you were envious of a grade or recognition that someone received in school. Maybe now even you could be jealous of someone's financial or professional success. Maybe even in our in the midst of our congregations, too, it strikes me that, uh, yeah, you might look at another congregation, another uh, Catholic church, and say, wow, they seem to really have it together, and their attendance is great, but ours is flagging. And so what do we do? Maybe, maybe we're jealous in that way. If you have a testimony to give or a question to ask, a story to tell, do give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. One of the things you mentioned, Father, in that uh, in that last section when you were talking about jealousy and envy, and one of the fruits, I suppose you could say, of jealousy or envy is that it creates division. Um, and I think that, I mean, at least in my experience, that's one of the things that can really, really tear at the very fabric of our our human relationships, right? I mean, is it, so is there a direct relationship between envy and division? I would think so. I mean, I just, like as a sports analogy, I remember a kid that he was a senior and he thought he should have been a starter. But there were other kids that were more talented, and the coach had a magnificent way about him, and he got this kid to believe that everybody is going to contribute. You're going to get your chance, and you're going to be an important part of this team. I don't want you to quit. And uh, so he was able to kind of hold it together. And, And chemistry stuff is the most important in sports and lots of things in life. Like, hey, what you have to contribute no one else has it. I know that it's not going to seem as prominent as you want it to be right now. Well, anyway, this team got the state, and this kid played the best tournament. I mean, his two games down at the state tournament were just fantastic. And I think he could see then that, you know, you take the long range on, you know, long view of things, and it uh, it can have a happy ending. So 
division is a that's what the devil wants. He knows that we can't handle much of it. So you can hear how, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, that they're trying to work out this religion that uh, Jesus has established, and they're trying to, you know, circumcision, and do we go to the Gentiles? What are they going to be asked in terms of the Mark of the Covenant? Or, you know, this, and it said that people, certain, you know, informants were tried to worm their way in, but we wouldn't let them because they wanted to pray on our, the unity that we share in God and the Holy Spirit. So uh, we always have to be, um, there's something we can be jealous about is unity. Jesus died uh, praying the night before he died that they may be one. So in other words, it's going to be arduous. It's going to take a lot of prayer and sacrifice and dying to ourselves. But it's clearly what the Lord wants, not uniformity that everybody just, you know, we become clones and you all think the same and you're all the, no, we're, we're human beings, equal but very different. Unity is a messy thing, but it's certainly something that God wants. And jealousy, envy, uh, these things uh, wreak havoc, uh, and they, they have. I mean, we just become territorial. We're, we feel threatened that this person thinks he's so great. And then we, we find ourselves always trying to take him down a notch. You know, that you're nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> again, a sports thing when I was in high school, this one kid was so good. And uh, after the game, you're supposed to shake hands, and I, I didn't. I refused mm. to. You know, and mm. it's a, I look back and... And that's yeah. just petty. I mean, now the guy turns out he's a special ed teacher. So he was a really good guy. In other yeah. words, I mean, you know, you have to be a pretty good person to spend your life serving people with special needs, you know, because that requires patience and real charity. And I'm like, if I ever see the guy again, I'll shake his hand and say, you know, I mean, you, you were a great player. And, uh, and I was a great player in my own mind, but that uh, didn't translate to on the court anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for sharing that story, Father. Our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, from the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Let's take a phone call, Father. Leslie is calling in from Las Vegas, Nevada. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Father. Thank you for taking the call. You're welcome. I'm driving, so I couldn't give you the exact scripture where it's at, but I found in the book of Proverbs that envy and rottenness, uh, envy and jealousy will rotten your bones. So I said, I don't want my bones to get old and rot uh, uh, before time and cause problems, so I just don't get envious and I don't get jealous. When it comes, I just rebuke it and tell it to get away from me. That's a pretty uh, straightforward approach, and it does, I mean, sometimes the Proverbs have these great little turns of phrase, and they present an image that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just not, it's not good for a person, it's not healthy. Uh, they even used to say that the person is green with envy, like, uh, you know, sick, I think, is what it meant, you know, that not that the color green is disordered, but gangrene or, or something that shows that you're just not well. And uh, to say, I, I don't want to live like that. That's not good for my heart. If that stuff gets in, well, it displaces the good stuff that, that I would rather have in my heart. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, you always mention, you mentioned this step about acknowledgement. When you become aware of it, Leslie, that's the key is that, oh, hey. And this takes, uh, you know, a fair amount of prayer and examining our life so that we're like, I think that I don't like that person because he or she is good at this or Okay, now we're aware of it. And now we say, Lord, help me with that. That's not good for me. And it's, you know, one way that we could overcome it is not only to name it, but to say, well, there's probably something good in that person that maybe is worthy of imitation. Maybe I should identify their talent or their skill or their gift and say, number one, it's 
It's a beautiful gift, Lord. I mean, I wouldn't mind having it, but I don't, and that's okay. But they do, and that's a beautiful thing. And I hope that they use it, you know, to extend your kingdom, to praise you, and, and to build up uh, your people here in this world. So, um, yeah, I don't know which proverb either. There are so many of them that it's, it's hard to keep them all straight. But uh, who wants rotten bones? That's for sure. Yeah, good point. Good point, Father and Leslie. And Leslie, keep your eyes on the road. Um, I did look it up. It's Proverbs 14.30, if anybody's interested. A tranquil mind, uh, excuse me, a tranquil mind gives life to the body, but jealousy rots the bones. That's what it is. And so thank you for the reminder from the scriptures, Leslie. I appreciate that. A great way to, to um, some great ways of combating jealousy. If you have a way that you have of combating jealousy, uh, like Leslie does, just reminding yourselves of particular scriptures. If there's other attitudes that you're able to bring to the fore when you're tempted by jealousy, give us a call. Encourage and inspire one another. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine or send us an email innerlife at relevantradio dot com. And Father, I want to get into after maybe we take another short break, but I want to get into more of the ways on how we can deal with jealousy, the things that we can do to tackle them. We talk about a tranquil mind, as as uh, Proverbs tells us. There, um, we talk about, of course, bringing Scripture to mind, but um, other ways that we can combat jealousy. Coming up right after this short break, please stick around. If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Thomas Engesser, who's sitting in for as producer of today's show, and Sarah Tafoya grabbing some of your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, which is in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, let's get back. Before we get into some of the ways of handling jealousy, let's take a phone call. Sue is calling in from Illinois. Sue, welcome to The Inner Life. Hello. Hello. Um, hi. You know, uh, I, my, I have a sister who married a very successful man and, you know, resulting in a lot of wealthiness around her. And... While back, like way back when we first were very young, we're all pretty old now, um, I felt a little jealous about it. And then one aunt said to me, it is so nice that she has become this successful, that there's someone in the family that's this successful, and I'm really happy for her. And that really changed my whole perspective. And I'm glad it happened way back when, because it affects everything. Like, when it comes to jealousy, I think I'm really happy for those people. (laughs) And so that's my story. Yeah, it's a happy one, Sue. I mean, just think of the years of friendship and joy that you could share. But had it not been for that insight that came at a time where you were ready to receive it, it's just those little things that, Many of the struggles in the spiritual life are just, you know, God has to make a minor adjustment, and he'll do that if we let him. And uh, it's not like we have to throw it all out or we're a terrible person or, you know, we're human. And we have thoughts, feelings, desires that God knows how to integrate. He doesn't just throw it out and repress it. No, I mean, acknowledge it 
and you were aware of it, and then somebody said the right thing at the right time, and, uh, you know, you will know the truth, and it will set you free. And you'd say, since then, your heart has been more free. Like, well, good for them. You know, I mean, I, they've worked hard. I, I'm happy for her, and she seems to be living a good life, but so am I. And I'm happy not only for her, but for the life that I have. And uh, then there's a, that just keeps these other things that would be simmering in there, and uh, it just, you've lived a good life. And you could, uh, you know, we all have a, a duty to kind of be a witness. And so this lady that spoke those words might not know the impact that that had on your life. Someday in heaven, uh, these things will all be revealed. And so it's important for us to live our faith, to learn our faith, to be a witness to it, to share it, you know, because we just never know the, the example that we're giving, the, the words that we use, the, the way that we live, the things that we say or that we don't say. All day, every day, we're having an impact, and I think sometimes we forget that. But in your case, Sue, it's made for a, a better life for you and for your sister, and, and thanks for sharing because there are other people out there that today now will benefit from what you've passed along, and they'll say, well, that's, that's a better way of looking at it. You know, I, I don't have to feel so sad, insecure, angry that, that they're having the life that I wanted to have. No. Lord, I'm happy with the life that you've given me. Hmm. That's a good. That's a good point, uh, Sue. Thank you for the call and thank you for the the tips. As Father said, it's great that you share that wisdom with the rest of us as well. If you have a way that you have dealt well with jealousy in the past, you've seen uh, various ways of responding to the temptation toward jealousy and envy in your life, and you've come up with some good ways of combating that. Give us a call. Let others know too. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. 888-914-9149, or send us an email, life at relevantradio.com. Sometimes there's, I, I guess there's just ways, Father, that we we do when we're in the midst of it, when we're in the thick of it, um, that occasionally the Lord at least will tap me on my shoulder and say, hey, remember me, <laughs> and, and I am able to bring that up. But is, are there other ways, I mean, what are some of the ways that we can really have close at hand um, when we are faced with jealousy or envy? I think, I mean, a devotion to Mary, because here's a woman that, you know, is always a mother, and mothers have a way, uh, the best mothers anyway, of making each kid feel special. Uh, No one's a perfect mother, but Mary would be the closest. That doesn't mean that she's perfect, but she is now, because she's uh, the queen of heaven and earth. And, uh, you know, because sometimes people say, well, no original sin means perfection. Oh, Mary worked on her spiritual life. She prayed. She didn't take anything for granted. She never sin, but she knows is better than anyone that, that these things don't just happen magically. And so the angel Gabriel says, do not be afraid. So she has a full range of emotion. And because of that, she's a great role model for us to work on your spiritual life. So people that have a devotion to her, I think are, you know, if you pray the rosary once a day, that's a little habit. And those little habits help the heart to be more aware, more sensitive that I... I yeah, I, I've been talking about this person a lot because I feel threatened. I need to pray for this person more and talk mm. about this person less. Okay, well, there's, there's a step in the spiritual life. There's a recognition, and these things come when we have a, a, our own spiritual life that is growing. We're feeding it through the sacraments and little devotions. I, I think of the saints. I think that if we know them, I, I wrote down here that uh, you know, the friendship between St. Gregory and St. Basil and that they, uh, it's in the office readings for January 3rd, and uh, that they were just such good friends, but they 
were very gifted intellectually and so forth, but they never felt threatened by each other. They would always encourage each other, like, that's great what you've just accomplished. That's amazing. And they're talking in this reading about how rare that is. But just to see those things and to be, uh, you know, now you put more tools in your toolbox and then yeah. you can you know, start to recognize that, you know, like, why do you always speak badly about that person? Because I hate that he or she has something that I don't. Okay. Uh, the, the sooner we become aware, we recognize, then we can bring it to the Lord. And some of these things we just have for our whole life that, that always bothers me. And then, you know, sometimes I do better, but then something provokes, and there I go back to that old wound that's still there, but it's better. I mean, it's not just going to go away magically. I go, you don't struggle with that anymore. Oh, I do. But I, uh, I catch myself a little sooner sometimes. Right. Yeah, and exactly. I don't, I don't say the things that I used to say. It still bothers me. Yep, yep. So uh, another thing you can do is, is become a Milwaukee Brewer fan because then you never get too high. You always have the, you know, the reasonable, like, you rarely make it to the World Series. And, uh, uh, did. Yeah. Uh, but my dad and my, I, I mean, I look at his life and, he was just loyal to them, and I think there's something to be said about be loyal to something that's not like a huge winner. And I think that's one thing about our faith, our parishes. Our, we're not going to overwhelm this world you know, and set it on fire in the ways that we're the greatest parish ever. We, that's why you know, there are a lot of things that we get to die to, and that's a blessing. Like yeah. Sometimes you really connect with your priest, sometimes you don't. But your faith is actually probably going to be stretched more. You might grow more in that time when you're not feeling so connected, because you really need to turn to Jesus now. I just think that if you can hang in there with especially our Catholic faith, because it's designed, it seems, to promote that dying to self, yeah. uh, that you'll start to really be able to face these things with a greater honesty, humility, and, and hope. You know, that's all right. You know, you got some issues. You're going to fit in really well in our church, because we all do. And, uh, <laughs> Amen to that. Come on yeah. in, the water is just fine. Yeah, that's right. Opportunities and invitations abound, even and maybe especially when we're faced with temptations, ways to die to self. Let's go now to Mark, who's calling in from Texas. Mark, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we got you, Mark. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, I always offer this uh, to, to overcome jealousy and envy. I use the analogy of uh, we're all riding on the bus and the shades are down and everybody's looking at the front seat wanting saying i want to be in the front seat but i always tell people pull the shades up and look out the window don't don't worry about who's in the front seat that's good that we can use that one mark that's an easy image that says that uh you know the count your blessings uh and this was an old move by saint ignatius of Loyola, that cultivate a certain gratitude again, it's an examine of consciousness, to look around and see the many blessings. I mean, it, it, you know, the glass is half empty, half full. I mean, it's, it's not just a, a question of perspective, but it's a change of the heart. It's a, an adjustment that allows us to say, you know, that my life is beautiful. I mean, it, uh, this is the great insight about St. Josephine Bakita, who, you know, was born into slavery. Her parents were murdered. She had all these scars on her body, but then she found Jesus, and she could see he'd had a hard life, too, by the crucifixion. And so then she realized that he did that for me, and then she could see that it, that, that means I'm loved definitively. I'm awaited by that love, so my life is good. And that changed her heart to not worry about that other people didn't have to go through what she did. 
And uh, she even said at the end of her life, when they little kids at school, because she became a sister and then a teacher, and they always wanted to slide the sleeves up on her religious habit to see the scars. And then they would make little speeches about, if I caught the guy that did that, I, she said, no, no, no. If I ever saw the people that did that to me, I would embrace them and I would thank them. And I'd say, if it weren't for you and those scars, I never would have become a Christian. I never would have become a sister. And then she became a saint. So it's, um, you know, that pull up the shades, uh, which is what prayer does, I think. You know, I think it's what the sacramental life does is that we start to see that every life is a, is a universe in terms of, I mean, that this is a unique person that will never live again. There's something about God and this person that's seen now once and for all. And someday, all of it will be seen. We shall see God as he is and be like him for all the ages. So, yes, who's in the front seat, who's in the back seat? Just uh, yeah, we, We're inveterate, and we just love to make comparisons, and they usually get us into trouble. But... Um, I don't know yeah. what you'd see out the window. It depends on what part of Texas you're in. It's pretty flat down there, <laughs> I guess. But uh, anyway. Yeah, very good. Mark, thank you for the call. We will remember to pull up the shades. Yeah, great advice. Thank you. Let's go now to Bella, who's calling in from Hollywood, Florida. Bella, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, real quick, um, uh, a long time ago, I had an event, actually, that put in in church, and uh, a few people did not come and they didn't go to another event, but they decided not to come. And I, I felt sad. So I, I didn't know, uh, what does that mean? Is, is it, I don't want to go deep, you know, like is it jealousy is envy. And I always have a struggle between one or the other. So thanks. Thanks for answering. Yeah. People who didn't come and you feel disappointed. And I suppose there's always the desire that, um, you know, that Jesus, it, he weeps over Jerusalem, and he says, you know, that I, how I would have given you everything, but you wouldn't have me, you know. So there's the, the pain of rejection. I don't know if it, it'd be jealousy or envy exactly, uh, you know, but it might be some, you know, semblance of the heart that's disappointed. It could have been better. Uh, I wanted so much for you, and you didn't want it. And so then there was not a a unity, uh, you know, something that could have drawn us together. And we all experience that because we... If we have faith, that's by God's design. It doesn't redound to our glory, but to His. But then we, we suffer when other people don't, especially family and friends that we'd love to share that with. And each person has to take their own path. So um, I think that there's a, a, a holy jealousy that I want what's best for you. But I can't give my desire to you. I can't. You have to you know, provide that. So that's where prayer and sacrifice those little hidden ways, fasting, all these things that uh, we offer to the Lord, he can change hearts, and he knows how and when to do it. He, his timing is impeccable. He's never missed an opportunity. Like, well, Lord, you missed that. Well, we might think that, but he is always... Uh, so he wants us to be uh, participating, cooperating as a part of this, uh, this mission that he's established, go and make of all disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, well, I don't know if it's, you know, exactly if I had to articulate well, precisely what that is, but it's a, it's a suffering, uh, and it's, we want to unite that to Christ on the cross because it, we all get demoralized. We all feel the futility of it's just not working. It's not, uh, you know, it's all in vain, and this is as old as the world. It, uh, you know, Moses strikes the rock, but there's no water in there. It's a waste of time, so he strikes it again, and the Lord says, why don't you trust me? Well... I do and I don't, Lord. I mean, I, I know I should, but some, sometimes I'd, I can't. So the human heart 
is a very frail place, and uh, but a very holy place. At least that's what God thought, and he's never wrong about anything. So thanks for your call, Bella. I don't know if I even got close to giving you an answer, but um, fodder for the uh, your next holy hour. Yeah, very good. Bella, thank you for the call. appreciate that. Good questions and a good discussion today on jealousy and envy. So, Father, we're back down to our last minute here. So if we could, could we have your blessing, please? Thank you for playing Gin Blossoms, incidentally, a little earlier. That just that made me laugh. <laughs> That's all Thomas, yes. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> May Almighty God bless you, guide you, protect you, fill your hearts with true charity, now and always, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin has been our spiritual director today on a conversation about jealousy and envy. Again, if you missed any part of the program, you can always go back to the show page on RelevantRadio.com and listen there. Share it with your friends, too. There might be some good fruit to be born there. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant, Father Ed Looney. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about martyrdom and how that might just be a call to change our lives. Hope you can join us for that. Glad you joined us today. Until next time, friends, grace and peace.